You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. We'll be talking about Loretta Lynn's Don't Come Home a Drinkin' with Lovin' on Your Mind. In the room, I have Rob, Hello. Ben, Hello. and Cannon. Hey. Don't Come Home a Drinkin' with Lovin' on Your Mind is the eighth studio album by American country music singer-songwriter Loretta Lynn. It was released on February 6, 1967 by Decca Records. The producer is Owen Bradley, and the genre is country. And from the book, Kenneth Burns, I'll be reading... Ken Burns? <laughs> Not Ken Burns. Kenneth Burns. <laughs> it's his his son. Yeah. Thanks in no small part to the... Do you guys say biopic or biopic? Biopic. I say biopic. Okay. I've said both. <laughs> okay. So I'm not breaking that tie. Okay. We'll just say whatever I feel like. Blopic. <laughs> Thanks in no small part to the biopic, Coal Miner's Daughter, the arc of L- Loretta Lynn's singing career is well known. It resembles that of many country stars. She emerged from a desperately poor childhood to become wealthy and internationally famous. However, unlike many country singers, men and women alike, Lynn wrote her own material, and beginning in the mid-1960s, she composed outspoken songs about the frustrations of womanhood that in her frequently humorous way anticipated feminism. In 1967, Lynn was 32 and had been recording with Nashville's Deco label for five years, where she had charted with innocuous fare such as Blue Kentucky Girl, but starting with 1966, You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man, Lynn began to write songs of great honesty and courage, perhaps none as courageous as the title track from her 1967 Don't Come Home a Drinkin'. The song which starts the album has a bouncy tempo and cheerful steel guitar riff that belied this dark subject matter. For her alto twang, Lynn is singing about what has in recent years come to be known as acquaintance rape. You come home a kissing on me, it happens every time. Don't come home a drinking with loving on your mind. Her frankness here is matched only by that of the superb 1974 hit, The Pill. Elsewhere, there are other terrific songs of her own, Get What You Got Going On, and versions of the country standards I really don't want to know, but the title cut alone sends this record into the stratosphere. All right, what do we think of Loretta Lynn's? Honestly, it, it, it's strange. Like, a couple of weeks ago, we had done the um, uh, Merle Haggard, and it, it didn't quite click. Uh, this record is the exact opposite. <laughs> Like okay, it, uh, you like this one better than mine? Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, I, what I, about this one? I don't know if it's her vocals. There's definitely a few more upbeat 
like, uh, like works on this one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's so, it's so fucking weird. Like, well, I like it cause it's earnest talking music in a format I can understand with a band that can just fucking shit hot <laughs> kicking whatever. And it, it's, it's, it's exactly what we were talking about a few weeks ago. Yet somehow this one clicks with me. Less it, songs about introspectively thinking about your prison days, maybe? I Perhaps? I, maybe? I, well, I, but probably... You don't know that. <laughs> These could all be coded, you know. <laughs> I kind of felt the same way. And it's really drinking means prison. No, drinking means drinking toilet gin, you know. Don't come home from prison with loving on your mind. Mm. Ah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. See? Uh, for me, it was the vocals. It was yeah. the vocals and her ballad. Somehow, her she seems more comfortable in a ballad sense. Merle Haggard, to me, is more of the upbeat, toe-tapping, you know, like, or or the singing about hard drinking and stuff. And her, her ballads, like, her, her voice and doubling of her own voice in a couple of tracks were just amazing. I, I was I was floored by um, how good it was. I mean, I'm a fan of both records. Uh, I wasn't here for the Merle. But this record, yeah, the vocals are phenomenal. I think the songs that she wrote are good. The other songs that she didn't write on the record are good. But the thing about it is she inhabits every single character on this record expertly and there's just something uh both effervescent and um bittersweet about about her vocals sometimes at yeah. the same time yeah bittersweet's a good good her descriptor fuck, and j- just to interrupt ever so slightly because we listen to it her fucking vibrato on tomorrow never comes mm. is insane so good Sounds so. All of her vocals just sound so effortless, too. It sounds like she just opens her mouth and Loretta Lynn comes out. Yeah, I when when I was listening to it and I hadn't listened to it in a long time, but it, I almost got the sense that she is the best singer in the church choir, and <laughs> you love it. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't know how yeah. to describe that, but it's like she has a natural voice. A very natural voice. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't sound like doesn't, learned. Exactly. You know, it doesn't sound schooled. I like that analogy. Yeah. The best singer in the church choir. Yeah. Like yeah. a Whitney Houston or a Tony Braxton. Yeah. Although Whit- Whitney definitely went on to have those the, the crazy <laughs> runs and and all that kind of stuff. Well, she was the best yes. in the church yes. choir, guys. <laughs> she got the, it was a tight <laughs> church choir. It uh, took a lot of practice to become the I, best of that tight church choir. Tight church choir, the, lots of blow in the bathroom of that church choir. Uh, one of the standout tracks for me, too, was uh, Living living in Two Worlds. Holy cow. Just like the analogy of, like, her, she's living in, like, a man's world, and then she lives in her, like, own mind, and yeah. she can't, like, break out from that. It was, It was just as powerful as the title track for me. I was just like... This is amazing. Uh, amazing vocals. The music was great. Everything was living in two worlds, dividing my time. Unhappy in your world, 
perfectly describes this record uh this is country like that's what this is when you listen to this record it's just like this is country music maybe that's the thing about merle haggard is he was like a folk songwriter who just happened to be from bakersfield and if he had been from like new york he would have been more like bob dylan he was from bakersfield that would explain it why he had that Bakersfield sound? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he grew up. I was in like, man, is he just hanging out with Buck and Don? Because that's, I mean, that's part of like you know being an Okie from Muskogee. Like it's the whole people from Oklahoma moving to, to yeah, Bakersfield. Yeah, you know, totally. That, that migration. Yeah, I get it. Um, so I'm pretty sure, if not obviously, yeah, at least he was uh, doing a slightly not as good Buck Owens impression. But it's hard to do a good Buck Owens impression when you don't have Don Rich. See We'd really have now. to ask Bonnie Owens if he's doing a good Buck Owens impression. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, but yes, back to the record at hand instead of the one that I I wish I'd gotten to talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah I think so, like this when I hear this album, it is just like the epitome of country music, and I don't mean that in any kind of a stereotypical fashion, but it 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 contains the stubborn willfulness that I think people oftentimes miss in country music, you know, like several of her sort of proto-feminist songs are, are like that. Um, and it's something that you see a lot in the undercurrents of country music around this time. And, you know, just a couple years after that, it becomes way, way more apparent, way more prominent. Um, I love it. The proto-feminism of her lyrics is really cool, especially from, like, from from the the country community yeah you know like from the the middle america good old boy country community having uh this female vocalist with these proto-feminist lyrics touchy subject matters for the time uh like you mentioned the pill and yours and i know that's still a few years down the road from what we're talking about but you're already seeing it here on this album and kind of even also uh her role reversal of uh, the Shugas on the other foot tonight, uh, just like taking it, like it was, it was originally written and performed from uh, like a, a a man's perspective, and just she didn't even change any of the lyrics. Just like her singing it is cool, like a whole just like refer, like you know, it's still it's still about stepping out on on your on your significant other, so it's still you know it's kind of I don't want to really celebrate it too much but just the whole attitude that like you know women can do this too yeah type of thing yeah i think it's a great record that's just all there (laughs) is to it we can say all the stuff about the record but just it's amazing it's a perfect 10 i know you haven't asked how i feel about it yet positive negative neutral but it's just 
it's phenomenal, and it's because they're following that old-school country formula of putting everything around the performer so that the performer can just fucking slay in the studio. I mean, yeah, she wrote songs herself. You know, this is her eighth record. This is her eighth record. She was 32, man. Yeah. And on Decca, and I don't know how many she's had. She's still putting out records. I don't know how many at this point she has. Could you have that number for us, Birch? Yeah, I'll have it. In a second. I own like three Loretta Lynn records. I don't own this one. Uh, I'm not familiar enough with her whole catalog of work to be able to say like, oh yeah, like this is this is the one. Like, if you're going to listen to one Loretta Lynn, Loretta Lynn album, listen to Don't Come Home Drinking With Lovin' On Your Mind. I, I She's so prolific that I kind of have to take the, the book's word for it at this point. But that being said, this is... I mean, this album doesn't... It doesn't have any false steps. It doesn't miss a beat. It's got some two steps, though. It's got some two <laughs> steps. I'd say this is the record to introduce people to her with... Because there's a good chance that even if they're not familiar with Loretta Lynn, they know the title cut. Yeah. And yeah. it's always nice when you can draw somebody in with like a blatantly obvious, huge super hit that is like was part of the monoculture. It's uh, I think it's interesting that both the Merle record and this record came out in '67, and uh, the proto-feminism like that uh, she's showing in this, in one like with the claps on the ones and threes can immediately go into the claps on the ones and threes of like kicking a fucking hippie's face in, <laughs> like the the country music like listener of the day, like. I, I, I don't know what the fuck was happening with them. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, well, it's got a beat and I can clap to it, so cool, let's, you know, let's do the thing. Um, but, like, lyrically, like, it was so disparately, like, just complete polar opposites of, like, you know, what one was advocating, or not advocating necessarily, but I don't know. I, the, the, this, this record made me happy. Uh, Merle's didn't quite hit me the same way, and I, I would absolutely recommend that... This is a great introduction to this uh, woman. She fucking yeah. you would think that this sings album like an angel would have a better album cover, and yeah. you'd be wrong. Yeah, it has just a shitty slap together album. Like what? Hey, someone just pull up the first picture of Loretta Lynn you can find. All right, now put it on some brown, and someone just type out like the basic. It reminds <laughs> me a little bit of that Ray Charles album cover, where it's just his face like nah, but like the, the sunglasses on. I will say that. Well, well, Loretta Lynn <laughs> album covers are not. The, oh yeah, they're the not most, good at all. No, they're not the most artistic. Um, 
I did did do a quick count, and I'm estimating 60 albums. 60 albums? Yeah, spanning from 1963 all the way to uh, 2018. All right. God, I'm lazy. <laughs> right. And she's no, you know, for like, and you have to assume that like for the last at least 30 years, she hasn't been putting out an album a year, which means... The first 30 years of her career were incredibly prolific. (laughs) Right. She kind of slowed down, it looks like, in uh, 1982, 83, and then she started... Pretty good estimate on my part. And then... Wait, um, what what year did her uh, movie... uh, uh, Coal Miner's Daughter? Yeah, what year did that That was like late 70s, wasn't it? Well, the reason I'm asking is because maybe she just didn't have to make records at that point because she had so much money from the movie. Yet she still got to over 60. She made (laughs) a lot of records. 71 was Coal Miner's Daughter. Oh, okay. All right. Never mind then. That's not what happened. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Unless it hit big in the home video market right around uh, the early 80s when VCRs (laughs) became a thing. I don't know. I love these theories. Um... I, I, LeVon Helm played her dad. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I forgot about that. I haven't yeah. seen that movie in uh, 20 years. Uh, LeVon yeah. Helm kind of looks like he's made out of shovels. He's <laughs> <laughs> a cool guy. Uh, <laughs> oh. Loretta Lynn looks like she's made out of sugar. Yeah, she does. Uh, I'm going to be on the positive on this one, for um, sure. Yeah. I mean... I don't it's, know how anyone else could say otherwise. Yeah. Everybody on the positive? Yeah. yeah. The only way you don't like this is if you just think country music is hillbilly garbage. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you'd be wrong, but I'm just saying, if, if that's your opinion, yeah, that's the only way you could say no to this. Yeah. Do we think... I, I was curious about the, the like subject matter, especially. I mean, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but how do we feel... I feel like this is one of the first scenarios that a woman has taken the reins, so to speak. I mean, we, we kind of applaud the outlaw country, but I feel like Loretta Lynn can almost show the negative side of being with an outlaw country person. Yeah. So yeah, it, but... it's pre- presenting a different perspective for me of... It's it's interesting. I mean, it's like a glimpse into the life of of a abusive relationship. But yeah, like, uh, the uh, the outlaw guys are glorifying exactly. this life of of you know drinking and being on the road and and casual acquaintances, and she's showing the other side of that, which is really cool. Yeah, totally. And sad. Yeah. Life is sad. And that's the, I mean, I think that's, that, that might be why it transitions into like the ballads for me more than like Merle, like Merle's sort of like balladry or some of the outlaw country ballads. Yeah. No, I, I think you have a pretty good uh, hypothesis there. Um, she's so good at singing. Like her voice, (laughs) her voice fucking just rules, man. Like and like the notes that she hits and the inflections that she hits, like it's 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 fucking perfection. And I I don't I I, to not like it's it's a cherry on the Sunday, I guess that her like the actual like shit she's singing about is important and was a little bit like you know uh, prophetic like for what was to come. Um, 
but yeah, no, the, the the fact that we get both, like, you know, I'm glad that I live in a world where I can listen to this. Definitely. It's fucking awesome. Cool. I'm going to love this. All right, next time we'll be talking about <laughs> Shiv Kumar Sharama in Call of the Valley. <laughs> All right, thanks, y'all. Thanks, bud. <laughs> I hear footsteps slowly walking As they gently walk across a lonely floor And the voice is softly saying Darling, this We'll be goodbye forevermore There goes my reason for living There goes the one of my dreams There goes my only possession that goes my